Hello and welcome to the Radiant George Brant Love Study Group. I, I repeat, hello and welcome to the Radiant Joy Brilliant Love Study Group. Hello. Hello, Clinton. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey. Hi. I was actually doing a sound check, but this is actually better. It's nice to hear your voices. Yeah, we just set up in a new place, and so this is our first time checking out the system. I'd, I'd like to hear from a couple of people how, what you're checking out right now. What things are you checking out right now? Anybody like to share something? In terms of radiant joy, brilliant love, we're deep in this map of communication having to do with completion loops and, and all of those things. So if you've done any experiments, this would be great to hear also. Somebody, I can't see anybody's hand, so if anybody's trying to say something, just go ahead. Nicole and I did a process yesterday that was mostly completion loops. I was holding space for her in it. I don't know if you want to say a little bit about it, Nicole, but it's just seeing the like dropping down and the, the space that gets created when the communication finally gets heard is just so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my life. I'm leaving life as I've known it for the last, like since 2006 that I've lived here. And so much has happened in these years that, that didn't get completed and to, and to be preparing to leave without having completed kind of, and it, it I had this story that it would, it would take all this time and it would take all this, you know, and, and yet in like less than two hours, I went from having, it was like, there were all these beach balls that I was holding underwater and they finally got to kind of come up. And now I'm like, just swimming all over in the water. There's all this space and, and, and not this kind of energy being put into kind of holding it and yeah thank you if actually you admit to yourself or let the world see that you're on this path of evolving, of actually taking steps and enacting new behavior and trying new experiments. If you're actually doing that, it will be quite often necessary to grieve the loss of your previous identity or previous 
personality, the way that you have been relating to the world, to grieve the loss of it. And so from time to time, people even make a little cross out of, out of sticks or something and have a funeral for that part and stand there in awe that, like you said, Nicole, 12 years ago, it was the best thing since sliced bread. And now you realize it was Wonder Bread and you've moved on to something else. It's such a, an astonishing thing for me anyway, to look at my life and see th these chapters. And they, I was just talking with Aunt Chloe about how many places I thought I'd moved into that I thought I would never move out of ever again in my life. Sincerely, with my best guess, it was about eight places so far where I, I had a house and a community and you know, big game worlds I was playing major roles in and all of a sudden, gone. And I moved on to the next somehow, got moved. And so, and grieving, and grieving the construct that I was in has been a regular part of, you do not grieve you do not grieve the, the, the letting go, you will be carrying it with you. And then it's baggage, extra heavy baggage. And you try to, try to keep it alive somehow through nostalgia or sentimentality. And you keep feeding energy into it and it, try to say, well, it was real at one point, so it should still be real now or something. It just, it really uses up attention and energy that you need for what's happening right now. Thank you guys for sharing that. Anyone else like to share something? Somebody like Michelle Manjares? Hmm. Right before I jumped on the call, a total stranger called. Her husband received the expand the box flyer from somebody local. And she called and she said, I, I'm going to ask you for help. I'm a mother of three. I've completely let myself go. And I just read this flyer that my husband shared with me and I want to come. And she said, I've been doing yoga and meditation for years and it doesn't help. And I completed the loop by saying, it's because we were told that we needed to heal alone and it doesn't work like that. And she started crying and I have this sadness right now because I literally just got off the call and we're gonna try to make it work so she can come. She's beyond excited. Wow. Yeah, I know, her name is Sarah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Jonathan Edwards is here. <laughs> How about hi everybody? My wife. Say hello. Yeah. Hi everybody. My wife Julia is here with me as well. Hi. hi Just Julia. stumbled upon this whole network of uh all these various communities in the book and etc just as of nine o'clock this morning and saw that this was happening today so i just wanted to come check it out and it looks like really interesting stuff y'all are 
involved in. Um, so yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for, yeah, welcoming us first timers into what's probably an intimate group here. So yeah. You're welcome. If I had to guess, I would say you were calling from somewhere in America. This it's is, true. This is true. Yeah, we're in North Carolina on Shakori, Saponi, Okanichi lands in the Hall River watershed. We're at the foot of the Appalachian Mountains here. Welcome. Just this is our welcome. This is our fifty-fourth meeting or something like that. Wow. So fifty-four weeks over a year, we've been cruising through this book together. And as you said, it's become really quite a, some kind of a food, like a food banquet that we come to each week and, and share stuff and then dive in and share more stuff. So you're welcome. We're already on page 159 of the 600 page book. So it seems like we have about three more years to go before we get through this. <laughs> We began in the ordinary section, the ordinary psychology, ordinary spaces for the first almost year. And it's, it's a hard, cold look at uh, unconscious behaviors and automatic behaviors and what those cause. And for a little while now, we've been working at extraordinary which is simply adult level responsibility interactions and so we're just picking up or reviewing tools that we use for just uh, adult level responsibility relationship and then the latter part of the book is the archetypal relationship stuff and so the group has stayed around 30 people the whole time and people are hanging in here and it gets as we move into extraordinary and archetypal domains, which by all measures would be probably the most exciting uh, aspects of being a human being, it becomes more and more challenging because the information is so far away from what we're given in that ordinary culture, in modern culture. And so, um, we're, we're learning new distinctions, new vocabulary, new uh, skills and new approaches, all kinds of things like that. Mm. So welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so Thanks. much. Anybody else before we dive into the book? Yes. Andrea, wait, Yula? Jules, that's what I wanted to share. I am doing the experiment of taking the authority for my name back. So I'm experimenting with what is really my name. And so right now I'm Jules. And this is how I want to present myself in this call as Jules. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Jules. Hello, Michelle. And I miss you, Michelle. I miss you too, Jules. It's, uh, can I fill in why you said that for people? I mean, some people know and some people don't, but you know, in this funny little thing called a Zoom channel, we can all be in the same kind of golden cube of space for the time that we're here together. And, but sometimes we get to be in the same physical space at the same time. So for a while, Jules and Michelle were in the same physical space in 
southern Mexico in the Yucatan for a while. And I don't, Jules, I don't know where you are now, but it sounds like you're not there. No, I am in Leipzig right now. Leipzig. Yes. Not so far different from Germany, you know, I mean, from, from Mexico. I mean, well, maybe, maybe it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. And Andrea, would you say something? Hi, um, I'm Andrea, and I'm here um, for the second time. The last time I um, dropped in in the middle because I couldn't earlier. So this is mm -hmm. basically my first time here today. And I'm really joyful to be here and uh, to be able um, to learn more. Um, I've been introduced uh, to this by Jeff and um, I've done a couple of sessions with him over the past months and um, it just showed me a new world. It just opened up um, so many things and um, I had no idea that something like this exists. Like I dived headfirst with him into the sessions and only then I realized like, what is it actually what I'm doing? And it, it's been brilliant for me. So I'm very glad. Great, welcome. Just Thank you. There's a, one of the boxes, one of the people in the boxes here on the screen is named Anne-Chloe Destromo. She's actually in the same room as me and she just sent everybody this message. So if you're a new person and you'd like to jack into our telegram group there's a link that she sent you and then you can uh can just join the conversation and connect in it's it's so wonderful to be able to share strange things that you can't share with most people in the world and have a whole gosh it's like 127 people or something now understand what you're going through understand and listen to you and oftentimes respond to you and you can ask you can ask for possibility and get possibility and like for example doors amazing door sharabi there is an amazing possibility generator he just like pumps out possibilities every time you ask for something it's fantastic and jeremy what about you hello jeremy hey thank you so much for allowing me to join i'm excited to be a part uh my friend tess invited me and I've been checking out the book, and uh, I love the idea of radical responsibility. Cool. Where are you calling from? I'm from Venice, California right now. Okay. <laughs> you have to say California because it could just as easily be Venice, Italy. So thank you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Caroline, how about you? Caroline Bodart. Yeah, good morning. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm feeling a lot of joy and fear, not knowing much about what you're presenting other than having been in contact with Mark, who is really into it. And, and I haven't had a, an experience yet of creating a possibility, but I'm open. I'm <laughs> happy to be here. Excellent. You sound with a French accent. I'm from Belgium and I live in Tacoma, Washington. Okay. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. And, and uh, 
you know, we've been trained over the years to have a very high numbness bar and we're pretty much excellent survivors and we're lone wolves. And so the sensation of getting to the point of actually needing to ask for possibility uh, for most creatures in the universe would be gasping for their last breath, you know, you know, going, doing like this on the floor in the corner. And we are so tough that we, we wait until we're almost completely gone before we ask for possibilities. So one of the exercises here, one of the experiments to try is to lower your numbness bar so that you ask for possibility far down the far, you lower the numbness bar down, 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 down. So you can ask in a very strange condition of only being perhaps 13% needing possibility. And then you ask for possibility before waiting until you're 90% needing possibility. And then you, ah, I need possibility ah, like this, <laughs> you know? So I encourage you to, I encourage us to try asking for possibility for it's the desperate last few moments. Tessa Cuddle, who are you with? Hi, um, I'm with Lula. Hey, Lula. Can you say hi, Lula? Hi, Lula. Hi, Lula. <laughs> Have you been in here before? Um, I was, I made like an hour of last week's call. Okay. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Say anything right now? I'm just happy to be here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Well, here we go. I'm going to start reading from the book where we left off last week, approximately. We're in the middle of this map of communication. I'm going to do a, a screen share and see if uh, we can just take a look at this map for a second. Uh, mm, mm. Let's see, here we go. Okay, if you can see this screen, you'll see this is the map of communication where there is a roadblock in place. This big X here at the bottom of the screen is the roadblock. We've been talking about roadblocks. So the communication ordinarily would start with an urge. The urge is, I want to go to the beach. And so you say, you encode your message one way or another. You say, I want to go to the beach. And that's a responsible encoding of the message. You could also irresponsibly encode the message and say, how come we never go to the beach? Or gosh, it's a sunny day outside and I'm missing the beach. Or, you know, they're all going to the beach that I'm not. So these are irresponsible encoding of the communication. In any way you code it, it is transmitted. You transmit it by voice, by text, some way, you, a written message. Now the listener on the other side has to decode the message that you sent. And they can either responsibly or irresponsibly decode this message that you send. So if you send a, an irresponsibly encoded message, like you never take me to the beach, 
and they decode this message irresponsibly, let's say they decode it responsibly. Let's say they know this map of communication and they decode your irresponsibly decoded message responsibly. This is magic. This is possibility management at work that you can receive an irresponsibly encoded message and decode it responsibly. And you go, wow, he's saying something about wanting to go to the beach. And then you have this impression, oh, maybe they want to go to the beach. And then, and then usually we think that's the end of the message. And in fact, it's not. But let's say, let's say the, the communicator encodes an irresponsible message and you decode it irresponsibly. So how could you never take me to the beach? And then the, you decode it as, oh man, I'm being attacked. She's attacking me again. All right. And then your impression that you're left over at the end, at the very end is, she doesn't love me anymore. And, and, and then you act like that. And this whole part of the communication takes sometimes less than one second. <clears throat> and the question is, has anybody here ever experienced one of those kinds of communications before? And if you have, then you've been, you're just using a very fine source of gremlin food generation. It's, we, there's a term we call gremlin, which is that part of ourselves that avoids responsibility and it needs food. Yeah. Yeah. Is this better? So that what we're, what we're creating is uh, gremlin food for, for our gremlin by using the method of communication I just put there. So I'm going to shift to the next map in the book which is, maybe that is the next map. That's the map I was just talking about. Okay, so yeah, so what we're really good at, what we've been practicing last week is these roadblocks. So we mentioned there's 12 different kinds of roadblocks. So when somebody says, I wanna to go to the beach and you hear the impression they wanna to go to the beach, then your response could be anything like, gosh, you know, it's, there's so much ultraviolet rays out there, it's dangerous to go to the beach. Or there's these assholes on the beach who are always trying to sell carpets. You know, I hate those guys. Or why don't you go to the beach and then, you know, I'll go to the movies or some other kind of communication roadblock. And so what we've been practicing, our exercise was for you to be able to decode and a responsibly or irresponsibly encoded message, you're able to decode it responsibly and then repeat back the responsibly encoded message you heard them say, you say, you would like to go to the beach now. What, is the, what does the sender say? They say, yes. And, and that's, we call that a bing. That means it's a completed communication so that the communication can completely vanish, it goes away, completely disappears from that. And so these are the maps that I wanted to show you. And any questions about the map right now? If you if you want to say something, just, you know, if I ask something like that, please just start speaking because I can't really see people's hands so well. 
Clinton, what yes. about a yes, how what about a complete communication and getting confronted with a wall, like not wanting to hear it? And you complete it responsibly numerous times. So the 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 person who sends the message does not want to believe that you heard it? The person that receives the message pretends like it didn't happen, like didn't get it. Well, it's the, it's the equivalent. If they're pretending like they did not get it and them not getting it, it's the same thing. Mm. It has the same effect. I mean, you know, I used to want to live in a world where I could control and manipulate everybody and have them do what I want. And I tried that for about 50 years of my life. And finally, I got to this place of realizing I don't actually get to control what people do or want. And, and it's shocking for me to discover how many people in the world do not want what I want. I don't know if any of you have ever encountered that, but I think I want really good things for people. I think I want people to win. I want people to shine. I want people to live full out. I want people to take risks and, and transform and heal. And I, I have all these wishes. And then I talk to different people and, and they want something different from that. And then it just shocks me. And, and so these days I've just been able to be more and more gracious about saying, what you're telling me is that you would prefer to do this, 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 and this. And they go, yes, bing. So I do the completion loop and the answer is sad for me. It's often I feel sad or I feel frustrated. I feel scared for them or me or the world. And so, I mean, I just, we just submitted the, start over XYZ game to the games for change contest that was happening in uh, July in America, New York, they have a, a games for change uh, conference. And they said they had 200 games that they had to choose from. And so we submitted our game as the XY start over XYZ game is one of in the category of uh, innovative games, thinking that that it is not like a normal video game or something. And we just got the letter this afternoon that said that they did not choose the start over XYZ game to be one of the winners in the category. And so, so okay, so I don't get this. This is not, you know, I don't get it at all. <laughs> so it's frustrating. It's, you know, it's disappointing. It's, uh, if they understood the world, the way I do, they would know that they made the wrong choice, whatever. So, mm, but the, at least I'm in reality. The thing is, it's not about being at least, it's actually, I get to be in reality as painful as it is. And then I have power because I'm in this reality, I'm facing into what's actually going on. And so Michelle, that's what the invitation is for you, is to, is to repeat back what they're saying, they go, yes, then you are entering reality where it is. And then there's, there's cold, hard decisions to make, like what next? What do I do next? Do I wanna stay in this space? Do I wanna keep talking to this person? Do I wanna keep making offers to them if they keep being rejected? Am I wasting my time? Where else, what's next for me? Where do we go next? 
So like I have the same question with the game, where do we go next? But for example, so what you've just encountered is your, your wish to control and dominate the world. And I'd say that's a fine wish for a gremlin or for a child, but it doesn't really work for a sorceress. So there's this painful recognition that somebody refuses your offer, then it's your job to respect their refusal of your offer. I decline your offer. That's what they're saying. So you say, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Any other questions about this communications map? Map of communication. All right. I have also, something that comes to me is, is these experiences I've had where, where, where my, my, you know, maybe my not so great effort, my not so authentic effort to, to, to provide a completion loop and and the person like in the example of you never take me to the beach and it, it might be that they do want to go to the beach and yet sometimes there's this other purpose like that they like they want to start a fight with me and if i say i say oh you want you want to go to the beach and they're like well no because you know and it's like it's mixed up and, and sometimes i get the sense that 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 there's something between, and I know this from myself, there's often something between what I actually want and my ability to really want it that has to do with these emotional layers that, that haven't, that haven't had their, they, that haven't been heard or haven't been felt. So, so Nicole, can I, so one part of what you're saying that I understood is is a hesitancy on your part to put the poop on the table, meaning that if somebody re rejects your completion loop by arguing, wanting to continue to argue, then, then the completion loop is you actually want to fight with me. You actually want to have a fight. And that's a shocking uh, completion loop because it's a five body completion loop, you know, it's not necessarily the logic or the words used, but the energetics of the engagement is you actually want to have an argument about this. You want to you want to make me wrong about this or something. And they go, "Well, yeah, then then you have completed the communication and then you can start the next communication, which is I'm not available for that. I'm not available for that." End of conversation whether they understand it or not, you do not have to be available for that, for an argument. And so what I heard talking about is, is like, okay, do the next step. It's like, okay, put the poop on the table. And the poop on the table is you wanna feed your gremlin with me and I'm not available for gremlin food. Go get your food somewhere else. Anything else right now? Or, yeah. Thank you. Ingrid, I see your hand just a second. Nicole, is that okay for right now? Okay, good. Ingrid, go ahead. Yes, I, I have a question a little bit similar to that. 
I, uh, I tried with my husband several times completion loop. And when he get aware that I'm doing that, he gets angry mm-hmm. and, and he, he doesn't want to continue or, or he says, you think I'm stupid or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have the feeling that, that what you said to Nicole is a part of my answer. So I don't continue to make, to, to put the poop on the table. Well, so Ingrid, you're dealing with, I assume, a relatively crystallized, relatively middle-aged, relatively white Anglo-Saxon Protestant man, born and raised in a patriarchy. Uh, French-Canadian, so not Anglo-Saxon. I would say that's Anglo-Saxon, but (laughs) in any case, so... So, but you get what I'm saying. So, yeah. So then the next thing to put on the table is you're asking me if I think you're stupid. He says, You think I'm stupid. Complete mm-hmm. the communication. Yeah. You're asking me the question if you, if I think you're stupid. He goes, No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're always doing these, there's some trying to process on me. You're saying that I'm always doing some kind of process on you. Shut up. You, why are you saying this to me? Like, I can't even talk to you anymore because you're, you're repeating back what I'm saying. So you're saying if I repeat back what you're saying to me, so I can, you can understand that I heard it, that I'm not talking to you. Is that what you're saying? You know, you really can stay with it because the, you know, you guys have, I don't know how long you've been together, but we tend to have these, we tend to develop this impossibility zone where as soon as somebody has a tone in their voice or a attitude or they say something a certain way, we go, ah, it's impossible. Ah, it's not, you know, here we go again, same old thing. And we, in this, this impossibility zone and it's this desperate, hopeless, kind of really sad and frustrating impossibility zone and what i'm saying is is you do not have to submit yourself to that you do not have to submit yourself to that game and you can stay with presence connection small now no stories and proceed you can proceed and it will break the pattern it will break the pattern and it will not be pain-free for either side necessarily but it's so painful to continue the pattern the old way. Why not have a different kind of pain anyway? Why not at yeah. least have a different kind of pain and see, see the possibility. You know, if you're in some kind of a, a prison ship and you're just stuck in this ship, well, crash it onto some rocks, you know, sink the ship. Well, that, well gosh, then you're in the water drowning. Well, hey, at least it's different than being stuck on a prison ship. So then, then you have a different circumstance that you're in. And it is possible for human beings to enter a stage of denial that can take us to the six feet under or the, the ash, ashes, urn of ashes that they dump in the, in the forest uh, cemetery. You know, they can, the, our denial can take us that far. And so 
we have this numbness bar high and a denial mechanism that's fully on and you can pretend like this is all that life can offer you or you can in, in, you know, drink some more or buy some more or do whatever it takes to numb yourself to, to just enduring till the end. And, and the suggestion here is, is more like take the situation into breakdown. Yeah. Crash the thing. Un, you know, take, take yourself into the Phoenix process. You know, start yeah. the thing on fire. What? What? Start it on fire? Yeah. Get out your matches and just, you know, burn the thing down. And I don't actually mean burn your house down, but it's like burn your house of cards down. Burn your psychological uh, impossibility zone down. Just burn the thing. They burn amazing, different colors and smoke and these sounds it makes when they pop and splash and all these sounds. It's just an amazing experience. And you stay centered and in contact in a small now and feel all this stuff that's going on as your life is burning down around you. Whatever is left will be real because what's real cannot burn. And so that's the, that's the idea of taking it into breakdown. And so yeah. it's a courageous thing to do. And most many people would, would call it in a, in a way, you had a good life. You guys were such good partners. You guys were our ideal partners or something. We, we look up to you or, and, 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 but they just don't know what's really going on. It's all this denial mechanism, a complete cloud of, of uh, we're a happy couple or something like that. <clears throat> and so this is all a matter of personal taste. This is not a, a uh, a handbook for anything. It's a matter of personal taste of how long do you want to endure delusion or, or numbness or the, the pretending. Like how long do you want to endure that? That's, it's all a matter of personal taste. And it is possible to just take it into, just flame the thing. How does that sound, Ingrid? It feels, I feel, it's so true. It's, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. I, I'm scared. I'm scared to, to hell. And I'm also sad to hell. But I want to do that. Ingrid, do you have a three cell? Are you in a three cell? No, not yet. Do you have a possibility team? Yes. Yeah, well, tell your possibility team that I'm going to do an experiment. I need two people to be my, my, my pirate colleagues or something, my colleagues in this experiment. I, I need to be able to call you at any time of day or night for the next two weeks because sometime in there, I'm going to burn the house down, burn the, the space down. I'm going to take the space into breakdown. And, I, and if I feel wiggly, you know, if I feel wiggly before I do it or during while I'm doing it, or if I need help or support, I need to be able to call one or either one of you 24 hours a day for the next two weeks. Who would be willing to do that for me? And then it, it could be somebody in this, in this group, but I, you know, it's better if it's somebody in your possibility team that is really ready for doing processes like that. So then, then you, you were, so then, the reason to do that 
is so that the world does not think you're just gone crazy. That, um, like it's, it's, for example, if you go to expand the box training and then you come home and you say, honey, I'm making a boundary, you know, no, no more drinking in this house or whatever, whatever the boundary is. And then, and then they go, oh, God, we just went to another one of those self-help trainings, you know, God, just leave me alone. Just, you know, so the idea is that when you come home from expand the box training, you don't do anything for a couple of weeks and then and tell people beforehand, I'm going to make a boundary. I've decided I'm ready to make the boundary and the boundary is this. And then you, and then you do it then it's not connected to the self-help training that you're at. So it's the same thing. It's like, if you're going to take your, you know, your relationship space into breakdown so that it, it can evolve right now, it cannot evolve because it's stuck in this, in this pattern system. But if mm -hmm. you take, if, if you tell people beforehand, then, then it isn't reactive. It's proactive. You've communicated before people are ready. Your team is with you. And then, then you have support for it. Yeah. I feel that Echo already arranged something. My <laughs> brother who is living uh, in Montreal too since uh, a year, he had in, in, in his apartment, there is a big water damage. So he will move tonight with his wife and his one-year-old boy to us. And he see, he's, he, he's at, on the same path as, as I am. Wow. So I will have... I will not feel alone or less alone. Yeah, it just helps to really have support, not just commiseration. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Commiseration, yeah. I mean, not yeah. just company. It means really support. Yeah. So great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anton, I have a Please dangerous question related to this. It is. I get it. Hold on, Mark. Just let us know how it goes, Ingrid. All right. Yes. Stay in touch. Just let us know how it goes. Okay. Yes. Even between times, there's you have a big support team here too. Okay. Thank Great. you. Yeah. Mark, go ahead. What if you're in a situation Wait, with what somebody? Do you mean you? Mark, do you mean I or do you mean Ingrid? Okay. Here's an example that I'm I have fear that people following this possibility management, what if they're in a situation with someone who does not have the agreements that we have of no harm to myself and no harm to others? I hear what you're asking about. And, and so are you asking a, a question for yourself or are you afraid for other people who might be listening to the recording? So I'm in contact with someone who is in that situation and got beat up. They're not doing possibility management yet, but they're trying to. My fear is to, to make the distinction of recognizing when you're in that situation and that that changes the rule set, or does it? Maybe it doesn't. If I, if I do a com completing statement and get a black eye, what have I, what have I missed? 
because clearly I missed something. Yeah, I mean, you you missed admitting what your hobby is. Because there's people whose hobby is to tie each other up with handcuffs and chains and then whip each other with leather and you know punch each other out and they do this some people even pay to go to workshops about doing that to each other so the person who is hanging out with clearly a reactive physically violent personality that is not a surprise it is not a surprise attack this is something that they they already know about so i don't think they have admitted what their hobby is that they actually love getting beat up and then having a really good victim story to explain to police or their mother or their, or their partner's mother or somebody, they, this is a hobby. The physical violence is a hobby if you're sticking around. The alcohol-induced or react to anger, anger, uh, rage, rageaholic type stuff that shows up physically, it's a hobby. And if you admit that you love it, then there's no problem. Black eyes and how you play your life. But to pretend like you don't know that the person you're with is physically violent, you know, that, that's only acceptable one time. And it's usually you don't have to sleep with them or marry them or move in with them before you discover that. So if you're still living with a person like that, it's your hobby. So admit it. You just love physical violence and you love playing that game. Thank you. That's helpful. I used to have a nice boy box and I used to also be in the world believing that people wanted to love each other and be nice to each other. And I, that's changed. I've, I've seen so much what I would call insane behavior that it's a, I think now it's a very small minority of human beings who actually want to learn how to create love happening in intimate relationships because it's so intense. It's such an intense experience to be loving for more than about three seconds. I love you, honey. Yeah, why is dinner so late? You know, th that's about all we can, you know, ordinarily handle. So I think it's you, I think you guys are a really rare group of people, not better, not worse, not, not broken or healed or anything, but just you have a different hobby and your hobby is creating love happening on planet earth, you know, trying to move in flow with Gaia's impulse to, to, to bring more conscious evolution to on the planet earth. And that's a hobby. And, and to argue, you know, if other people like your hobby or don't like your hobby, what kind of argument is that? It's like people like to go kill fishes with hooks on feathered, on feathered strings, you know, feathered hooks. It's like people have different bizarre, the most bizarre hobbies. We came into this town and Chloe and I, we drove slowly through this tiny, decrepit, crumpled, broken down little village on this seacoast. And we passed this bar where these brown skinned, thick wrinkled, skinny, crumpled over little demon male creatures who are sucking down beers all day long 
were watching us go by like we were in the museum. You know, and, and it's great. Who's right? Who's in the museum? Us in the car looking at these al lifelong alcoholic, uh, half living kind of creatures who talk a lot about nothing, sitting on the street watching us go by. Like, were we in the zoo or were they in the zoo? Like, how can you tell? How can you tell who's, who's nutso? You know, so I don't think you can. I don't think you can. And, and so I protect my space. I don't let anybody take my space away. My culture is my culture. I live in it. And it's maybe only one meter across. You know, that's as much space as it occupies in the global ethnosphere at some times. You know, and right now it's occupying more space because there's 29 of us in this call. And so it's maybe 29 cubic meters of space. And that's a, a lot bigger space than it was when it was just and Chloe and me. So, so I, I don't think it's, it's such a weird conversation to just, rather than trying to be adaptive to any kind of culture that's around you and trying to please other people or make other people happy or make people think that you like them because you're behaving in a way that you think makes them happy because you're being adaptive, like, what if you actually just stand in your own culture and own it and say, this is the culture I live in and, and it's like this here. What is it like in your culture? And, and it's just a, a fascinating ongoing conversation to have with almost everybody. And it's this it's a kind of meta conversation. We were talking about that not so long ago, having a meta conversation about what, what culture do you like to live in? What is your culture like? Oh, you've you've adopted the mainstream culture. You you just go along with the mainstream culture. Is that what you're doing? The the generic culture, the default culture. You're using default thoughtware. That's interesting. What do you get from that? Why do you like using default thoughtware? Why do you why do you value those things that uh, those people in the company where you work? Why do you value those things that your company values? Because if you're working for the company, you're supporting those values. So why do you value those things? Oh, really? You know, there's, that's an ongoing conversation to have, and it respects your own culture as much as it respects other people's culture. So it's not about, I'm right, you're wrong. It's more like, that's curious. It's fascinating. It's, it's, is, are you telling me the truth? You actually value that? What, wow. How does that work for you? Things like that is to actually connect in with what's going on for other people. So, yeah, Mark, thank you for your question. I think it's a relevant question and I'm glad we could talk about it here. Thank you, that gave me lots of possibilities. Great. You might lose some friends, but you'll get lots of possibilities. That's their choice, not mine. Okay. <laughs> right. Any other, any other uh, thoughts or stuff coming up about this communication map or anything else right now? I, yes, I wanted to share something. Um, because Tara. Tara, Tara, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. This is the fifth time that you have asked to speak in your first sentences each time, I wanted to share something. Yes. So that's five times in a row. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so I'm making an offer, a proposal, an invitation that yeah. to see if you skip that part. Yeah. If you skip the part about I wanted to share something and just go ahead. Do you want to try yeah. that experiment? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Put up your hand. Hey, Tara, go ahead. Yes. Tara? So, so I've been in this he emotional healing process about mixed messages, and it I was diving down to I cannot believe that people decide to do this. <laughs> And <laughs> I feel really sad about it. And it, it came up, now my sadness about this came up from what you were talking about, Clinton, about just not wanting that. Like I can see it happening. I can see when people are moving away from love and connection and into, into this, like I can see it, like, it's reality, like in front of my eyes happening. And I I got to this belief that, it, or this, this sentence that I have that I cannot believe that this is happening. I cannot believe it. I don't want to believe it. It makes, it's so painful for me. And it's so, I feel so sad about it. And I don't know what to do with this now. Like I discovered that I have it, but it's so deeply rooted that I don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, let me tell you something, okay? Yes. So you've, you've, you are learning to feel. And it's an intense trip. It's an intense learning procedure to learn to feel. And you're doing very well. Because you have this experience. You know that it's sadness. You can tell us about it while you're having it. This is, you have learned to feel at least sadness this far. And you can do the same with fear and you can do the same with anger. So, okay. Learning to feel is pretty much step one of sorceress training. Yes. If you did not, if you cannot feel, you don't, you don't, you don't, you can't really proceed to the next step of sorceress training. So what sorceress training is about is about entering reality is entering what's real, finding what's really going on. To find what's really going on, you're going to feel things exactly like you're feeling them. Because instead of living in a fantasy world, what should be, what I hoped it would be, what I assumed it would be, what I expected it would be, instead of living in those fantasy worlds, you're, you're just dropping everything seeing what's really going on and feeling what you feel about it. And then you're this close to reality. You are right on top of reality. Then you can create things. And phase one of feelings work is exactly what you're doing right now. It's perfect. But you just have to understand that you're in sorceress training. Is that okay with you? Yes. Yeah. feels exactly like what you're doing right now. You can ask a lot of different people in here, like uh, Anne Chloe or Brianne or Nicole or Michelle or Ingrid or Janet or like Habet, like Christina, these people are on this path. So stay connected with them exactly like you're doing. These are your sisters, your fellow sorceresses. 
This is your team. This is your team. And yeah. I feel I feel so glad that you can feel this and share it and do not feel like a victim of it. It is horrific. It is horrible to see what is really going on. It is horrible. Really, it, it makes me so angry and so sad, really, and so scared and sometimes glad. And are <laughs> <laughs> glad that I can see it, you know, glad that I can endure the intensity of the rage that I have without breaking something. You know, I can just endure, I can use the rage for, for something else, you know, build another website or something. I don't know. So, so this is, but you're exactly where you need to be. It's working perfectly. And that's what to do about it. That's what to do about it is keep going. It's like, is do just keep going. Because as your body gets accustomed to experiencing uh, up to 100% uh, intensity of anger and sadness and fear and joy, when you get up and still being able to be present and functional, then you'll be able to start creating other results. You'll have other options, but you need to be this close on reality. You need to be right on reality and then you will be feeling stuff, but you need to be that close to reality to have the leverage to do something. You know, yeah, I think of an, you know, I have, so here's a pen. I have a pen in my hand. So here's my hand and here's my pen. Okay, I'm going to grab, I'm going to touch my pen. I can't. I'm going to write with my pen. Well, I cannot because I'm not on it. I'm not, you know, I have to be over here grabbing the pen, doing the clicker on the back, and then doing this with the pen in my hand. You know, then I can write with the pen. But if my hand's over here and the pen's over there, I got nothing. <clears throat> That's what I mean, being on top of it, on reality. And then you will feel stuff. You will feel it. I will feel the pen in my hand. This is a tree. These are minerals in here. They dug out of the earth. It's chromium plated. Chrome costs people's lives. The ink in here is toxic. There's a plastic cartridge in the middle. This is painful to have and painful to use. And I choose it and I feel the pain of it. I've had this pen for five years. I put three different cartridges in it over the years but I have not got rid of the pen. So it's greasy. I got so much grease on it from me holding it. So like that, you know, being on reality. So cool, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Tara, try to let this in, okay? This is really appreciation. This is really, try to let it in. Just let it in. Don't bite your lips, just let it come feed you. Don't blow it out, just keep letting it in, okay? That was for you, thank you. What came up for me right now for, for Tara or any of us who's in a stage like that is for me like a holding or two or three holdings help like in a stage where i'm like discovering something and i'm like overwhelmed by learning how to feel basically yes yeah i mean 
this is only my opinion right now. The Holdings jewels would be perfect for you and they would not be perfect for Tara right now because mm -hmm. it's just a, a way that your energetic body needs to integrate this stuff. For jewels, the Holdings perfectly help you integrate stuff and for Tara, that would not help right now. It's a different integration procedure that she needs. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion though. Thank you. Did somebody else have their hand up? I thought there was somebody else over there. Okay, anything else from anybody else right now? Stephanie, you didn't say anything yet. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to add right now. I'm, okay. I'm absorbing. Okay. Thank you. Christina Pleshens, what about you? Okay, thank you. Yeah, Dora, go ahead. I had a lot of sadness when you shared about your, your small bubble of culture that you're going with. And I, I feel that walking around here, I have so much sadness from everyone not getting, not getting it, not, uh, it, look, it looks perfectly numb, numbed and happy in their modern culture. I have a lot of anger and sadness about it. And I'm trying to use my, my wizard to create possibilities to, to connect with that. And, and this is about the conversation we had about roadblocks and I heard it coming up in the conversation about a, a communication loops. So sometimes people don't like these communication loops and they're stuck. And then I'm trying to create, to do communication loops without saying communication loops. Maybe doing that with a gesture or maybe, you know, saying something else, but energetically means a communication loop. And, and I do a lot of this experiment with the, roadblocks for communication, for example. George, Last can I time... ask you a question? Yes. Where are you right now? I'm in Portugal. Do you, do you speak Portuguese? No. no. You speak Hebrew. I'm learning. You speak Hebrew, right? Yes. So yeah. I, one thing is that anger that you feel or the frustration or the fear when you notice people in not knowing what they're missing, for example, you could use the anger to arrange to give a public talk. One and a half hours, 10 euros at the bookstore, at a, at a schoolroom, at a library, at a cafe, arrange to give a talk about the stuff that you're talking about right now, the things you're telling us about your experiments. And so this, I think, is what the anger is for. It's, to, it's, it's a job on your bench. When you notice what people are not noticing, it's a job on your bench. It's an invitation to serve your archetypal lineage and do, and do a public talk, do a little workshop, do a, do, do a thing. And so is there something stopping you from doing that? 
I'm already, I did a few of them here in, in Oristera. I did a few so, workshops. So last week? I did one last week, yeah. What was the title? And only it was um, Improv Your Feelings. It was improvisation together with connecting to your feelings. And so you said only three people showed up? Only two people showed up that they came to my workshop that I did here last time with Sofia Magdalena. We, we had like a few people come in, like seven or eight people last time. Is, are you having a problem with that? Last winter. I mean, Jesus yeah. only had 12 people. <laughs> what, so my suggestion was you, you speak Hebrew, and I think there's a whole Hebrew community over there in Eresira or Lisbon or someplace. And you have a special gift for connecting with those, that language. I think they would love to hear uh, a talk about this stuff in Hebrew, for example. So, and ask for other possibilities. But I, you know, this is, this is where to go with that. That's my suggestion is just to really is to use that intelligence of the anger and go, God, I need to talk. I need to talk more. I need to tell more people about this and just go ahead. Yes. Thank you. I'm really trying to find more possibilities to do it more. That's, that's what I'm, I'm doing. Like, that's what I'm using my anger. I'm, I'm doing this here. I'm doing online stuff, online workshops, workshops here, and I'm trying to bring more mm -hmm. people into this game world. Yeah, and but, I, well, wait, 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 wait. If you have the goal to try to bring more people in a game world, nobody will come. If you try have the goal to give away the treasure, everybody will come. Everybody loves free treasure. Nobody wants to get in a sect or a cult. Okay, so there's a big difference. If you just go, there's this treasure, there's this, like, it's a, it's a giveaway, it's a freebie, it's a, I discovered this, I, it's more than I can hear, let me get like that. It's different from, um, come on, I wanna get you into this group or something like that. It's a different, whole different thing. It's a subtle energetic shift that will make a difference. Cool, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, anything else right now? Okay. Where, where this map of communication was going, I'm on the middle of page 159 now, I'm, is about responsibility. And let me, let me just start. <clears throat> The reason why your box is so persistently, your box means your psychological defense strategy and your habits, your reactivity, your patterns. The reason you so persistently use roadblocks in your communications is because if you use a roadblock instead of a completion loop, then you can avoid being responsible for having heard the message. If you can block the message, then you do not have to be responsible for having heard the message. It's a way of avoiding responsibility. 
your box is designed to defend itself. So your box prefers to create a breakdown in the heart of your relationship rather than having to take responsibility for shifting the relationship or dealing with the emotional emotions of the other person because that would mean that you would change. If you take responsibility, you change. By taking responsibility, you change. Your box does not want to change anything. Your box wants things to stay the same because that's how you can survive. So it is this mechanism in, it's a built-in mechanism from the uninitiated part of ourselves, the box part that wants to keep things the same. And so it will not do completion loops so that you can pretend like you never received the communication. It's that simple. So to deepen authenticity in your relationships, your practice is to stop trying to avoid responsibility. Stop trying to avoid responsibility. It's the same thing that uh, we were talking with Ingrid about in terms of like if her partner says, you know, you're always using these techniques on me and instead of stopping then is to go, you're telling me I'm always using techniques on you. See, because that would be completing the communication. So that's then all of a sudden the relationship would deepen. Yeah, it pisses me off, whatever. It would go to the next level down. So to deepen authenticity in your relationship, your practice is to stop trying to avoid responsibility in, in what your partner is telling you. Like really try to get what your partner is telling you. You don't try to defend, don't try to argue, just try to get what they're saying. Look at what you are demonstrating to your children when you use roadblocks. Again, boundaries. So if you, you know, if a kid says, you know, I want an ice cream and you say, that's too close to dinner or you always get a bellyache or you're getting fat or it ruins your teeth or um, you had an ice cream last week or whatever. These are all roadblocks. But if the kid says, I want an ice cream and you say, you want an ice cream and they go, yes, bing, then, then you got the communication. Then they go, yeah, I want an ice cream. So they said the same thing twice. That means you are at the real, the real communication they want to make with you. I want an ice cream. Then all of a sudden, the problem is in your side of the, of the tennis court. You have the problem now. You have to decide whether they can have an ice cream or not. It is your responsibility. So it's not their problem anymore. It's your problem. And that is what you have been trying to avoid by not deciding if they can have an ice cream or not, not completing their communication. You don't even hear their communication. I want an ice cream. Well, it's too expensive. Whatever, this is not hearing their communication. So as soon as you hear the communication, you have a problem. And then if you say, no, no ice cream, then they have a problem. It's their problem again, because you made the boundary. And that's what we've been trying to avoid is a responsibility for uh, making making the jungle gym upon which children develop their muscles of responsibility. 
boundaries are this jungle gym, this clear jungle gym. If you do not make clear boundaries, they got nothing to hang on. They cannot develop their muscles of responsibility. They're not connected to reality. They're connected to your fuzzy defense strategy of confusing, confusing them. So when you make the boundary, they have a jungle gym to a muscle, like a workout room to work on. It's hard, it's solid, it's clear. Pull out your sword of clarity, say yes or say no, and then be responsible about your decision. So the map of possible, the map of problem ownership creates distinctions for you that give you tremendous clarity about how to deal with these kinds of situations. The question on this map, I'll show it to you in a minute. The question on this map is, is whose problem is it? Whose problem is it? This is a useful thing to know. Whose problem is it? Without knowing how or why, we often act in confusion about who owns a problem. It is common to conclude that if someone else has a problem, for example, our child, our parent, our spouse, our boss, if somebody else has a problem, then automatically we have a problem. This is common. It's, it's, it's standard human intelligence thought worse is to say, if somebody else has a problem, then you have a problem. This is especially true if you tend to be adaptive and give your center way. If the authority figure has a problem and it is shocking how many people regard their children as authority figures, then we better watch out. As a survival strategy, we extend our feelings into the lives of others and walk on eggshells around them and try to arrange it so that they never have a problem, that they never have feelings. Did you ever do that? Walk on eggshells around somebody? How many, yeah, how many, how many people do you walk on eggshells around in your world? One person, two people, hollow up your fingers. Three, four, five, ten. How many people are you walking? Mark has three, Stephanie has four, Kian has ten, Ava has five, Katara has ten, Andrea has ten. Okay. All right, you guys. Christina four. Matt, Jesus, Matt. You maybe you should change your name. You should you should not be a welcome mat. You should not be a yeah, no more welcome mat thing. No more <clears throat> you know, foot, foot, foot cleaning mat. Um, yeah, okay. Every single person that you are walking on eggshells around, you are being adaptive to. Well, this is, this is a, it's a worthwhile thing to look into. <clears throat> You do not have to walk on eggshells around anyone, and it helps to learn a few other ways to relate to people that you would normally walk on eggshells around. And a lot of it has to do with putting the poop on the table. So you can tell people like that, for example, uh, mom invites you on Sunday to come over and have lunch. And so you go, okay, well, I cannot say no because, because she will hate, she'll be angry or sad if I say no. So then we go over for lunch and three hours go by 
and we're an emotional garbage can for three hours, and then you go home and you feel like an emotional garbage can for three hours. So, and so, so what else can you do? And, and, you know, there's so, this is something that you could bring to your possibility team. It's like, my mom's invited me over for dinner. My mom wants to call me every Sunday. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, it's, it just sucks out my energy. I get a headache or whatever. I don't want to do it anymore, but I have to, it's my mom. What can I do? And so you can have this conversation, this other kind of conversation, which is, mom, you invited me over for lunch on Sunday. She goes, yes, bing. So I'm afraid if I tell you that I don't want to come over for lunch on Sunday, that you will really feel sad, really sad for about, and that you will hate me. And you tell her, I'm afraid of that. And, and so you're putting it on the table. You can do this with your boss. You can do it with your anybody. Whoever you're walking on eggshells around, start doing these experiments. Put, put it on the table. Just say, I'm afraid that if I uh, move out of the neighborhood and or if I quit my job or if I, if I uh, start a painting class, whatever, whatever the thing is, you, I'm afraid if I do this, you will have this kind of reaction. What do you think about that? What do you think about? Because I, I don't really, I'm, I'm okay if you feel something. I'm okay if you feel angry, sad, glad, or scared. I'm okay. You can tell them that. And I'm afraid that you're not okay with it. So that whatever the thing is that's going on for you, put it on the table and have a conversation about what's really going on instead of walking on eggshells. So how many people will do an experiment like that this week with somebody, at least one experiment with somebody? Great, cool. Please let us know how it goes next week if you can. Just try that out. Try it out. It's a scary thing to do. And just put it on the table. Think about it. You know, what you're feeling, what they're feeling. It's usually about feelings. This is what walking on eggshells usually means is trying to avoid your feelings or their, especially their feelings about you or their feelings. And so you put it, just put it on the table. Like, I'm afraid you're going to feel rejected. I'm going to afraid you, you feel, you think that I don't love you anymore. I'm afraid, whatever the thing is, you just put it on the table and talk about it. And then there's no, there's no method about it. It's not a method. It's simply, like we said, like Tara was talking about, like getting closer to reality. Because when you walk on eggshells around somebody, you're being adaptive, that's far away from reality. It's a painful way to live. It does not give you power. It doesn't give them power. It's just a uh, time goes by. Okay. So the other person that you're being adaptive to, they probably like it when you're adaptive and when you accept their invitation or you give them your center. But such behavior in ordinary human relationship can drive us into being a nervous wreck. That's what the book says, a nervous wreck. But it drives us into being adaptive. So further along, when you, if, you really, if you really start doing this experimental work, you can come into a place where for a period of about six months, you adapt to nothing. And you withhold nothing. Withhold nothing 
adapt to nothing. For some reason, I'm saying this right now because somebody in here needs to hear this. I'm not saying everybody because there will be consequences. There will be consequences. So if you adapt to nothing and withhold nothing, don't do that with a police officer, for example. Don't do it with your kids, for example. It's not, it's not something to do with children. So this is, you have to know, you have to be intelligent. It's kind of like what Mark was worried about before, is being intelligent about the stuff we're talking about in here. This is, these experiments are for responsible adults to do. So when you withhold nothing and you, you adapt to nothing, this is a highly matrix building experiment for your center, uh, your presence, your attention, your managing your reactivity, and, and making nonlinear offers, these kinds of things. So using, let me just show you this map of possibility, map of uh, problem ownership. That's yeah, right up here, I think. There we go. I'm gonna do screen sharing again. Okay. So this is called the map of problem ownership. And, and it says before there's no line here, before there's no category. So me having a problem does not mean they have a problem. So this is what you do. Before this line is here, if they have a problem, you have a problem. If you have a problem, they have a problem. But if you put this line here, then there's an acceptable situation in an unacceptable situation. This is confusing me right now. What I want to talk about is if you put this line here, then when you have a problem, you hold this line and you do not make it their problem. You get that? You have a problem. You own your problem. It's called problem ownership. You own your problem. Do not make it the next person's problem. Then when they have a problem, let them have their problem. They worked hard for that problem. That problem is their key for learning the next thing they need to learn. They worked hard to create this problem situation for themselves. Let them have the problem. If you step in, try to solve the problem, rescue them, you know, give, help, you know, do it for them, this, they just have to go to another place and create the same problem again for themselves. So don't try to... If somebody has a problem, stand there, be with them, pay, you know, be in connection, go, gosh, you have, you've got a problem. That is an amazing problem. You have worked hard for this problem. What a, what a remark. This, this should go in the book of world's records about problems. You've really created this amazing problem. When you are clear about whose problem it is, you discover an interesting new condition. And the new condition is, there are times when you don't have a problem and the other person does not have a problem. There's this new condition called there is no problem. Who are you? This place may be bigger than you think. Who are you when there is no problem? How long can you endure being in connection with another person or in the, even in the world, how long can you endure this condition of there is no problem? Can, is it as long as one breath? 
can you handle three breaths? Can you make it that long before you find another problem or, or find somebody else's problem to react to? I mean, it's really learn to enter and endure the intensity of this condition of there is no problem. Try to walk through town for an hour. Try to live your life for one whole hour where there is no problem. So this is a really powerful uh, practice that I would encourage you to, I, I kind of, I really enjoy this clarity, the distinction of whose problem is it and, and uh, letting other people have, have their problem. Any questions about that right now? This thing about problem ownership. I mean, you know, while we're, Andrea, just a second, while we're sitting here talking about it, it seems, oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, that's, I, I understand. And then, then we'll be off the phone call and go, and we'll be back and we'll be go, oh, God, what time is it? Oh, no, I've got a problem. Or, oh, look, they have a problem. Or it will be entering. So to, to, to take this into your life is revolutionary. It's very radical stuff. And you can do it. It changes the world that you live in. So I hope you really do this because it creates a different world. You get so much energy back that you can use for something else. Great, Andrea, go ahead. Yeah, I would like to ask if, um, for example, um, I realize that I have a problem, but there is someone else around me who would like to solve this problem. Like, how should I approach this? How should I let the person know that this is my thing to solve? And if I say it um, out loud that, look, this is my problem. And if this is not accepted, then what? Punch them out. <laughs> no, really. I, my favorite example of this is there was a trainer, uh, one of our trainers, Nicola, who we were doing stick work in a training and she was holding the pillow down and somebody was pounding with rage, this stick on this cushion. And then the stick bounced up and hit her in the head. She was not, she didn't have the stick. She was just holding the cushion, but the stick bounced up and knocked her in the head. And everybody goes, Oh no, oh my God. Oh, are you okay? Oh, oh, oh. And she stands up on her two feet and she looks everybody in the face and goes, I'm not a victim. <coughs> It's my problem. I am not a victim. I can handle this. I am handling this. And she got back down and they kept doing stick work. And I just went, wow, this is such a fine. You know, she had a big bump on her head, but you know, she created it. She stuck her head in the way. She did not, she took radical responsibility. You know, I, I did not give you clear enough instructions, or I I did not, we did not practice enough before, or whatever it was. She took responsibility and then, and then it's like that. And so when you say, when you just, you know, hey, you know, this is my problem, mind your own business and you don't have to, and it can be over in about three seconds. See, that would be a feeling of anger. The feelings, they come up, you're angry, you use it, make a boundary, say yes, say no. And then the feelings out of your body in a, less than three minutes, it's gone. And if it stays longer than three minutes, it's not a feeling anymore. It's an emotion. You have to, it's something else. But the feeling, you use it, go, 
you know, I said, I said, this is my problem. Any questions about that? Go get your own problem. Don't have enough problems? Go get your own problem. This is mine. Like that. You can just, yeah, and people will get it. Maybe that's, Andrea, maybe you never did that before. So you just look at them and go, I am on a path of the evolution of consciousness. This is my problem. And they'll just go, what the hell is she talking about? Evolution of God. This is Andrea, nice little Andrea. You know, what happened to Andrea? Who are you and what did you do with Andrea? You know, they'll say stuff like this. But you just go, it's my problem. It's a great feeling. It's a, you, know, you have a problem then, but it's still a great feeling. Thank you. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. And Chloe. Yeah, I'm discovering the layers of this map. I discovered this map in uh, was Habet when we were we fir I first met Possibility Management at the Ecosystem Restoration Camp, and I was there. I was 24 years old, living with eight men in the same room, and and I was the mother, and I was. I was taking over all of their problems, solving it and being really clever about it. And, and then it was, it got overwhelming and then Habet joined us. And, and one day I was just crying on the bed and she looked at me and she, and Habet, you just said, but whose problem is it really? And that just cracked open really a, a door for me about, oh my God, how much I'm, I, I don't have to solve this. I, the ball is in the other person's court. It was in this in this men's court, and I didn't have to have the ball. But and I, but I realized that how much, like one of my main emotion that I think I got from my mother, is this fear, and the fear triggers the rescuer, and the rescuer triggers this. Oh, I'm, then every everybody's problem is my problem and it's so and I I, I made a lot of boundary and, and got my space cleared and take out the fear from my mother and like I'd done a lot of process but I realized how subtle it is like especially for example right now I'm doing logistics for three trainings we have about a hundred people coming and and I want to be as clear as possible in my instruction and the letters and it doesn't matter it does not matter how much how clear I am. People have problems about it, and it's and it's really a great practice for me to to keep my center and still be connected, and and to notice when it's like it would be easy. It's like this easy for my box and my ground to 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 solve their problem before they ask really, and instead of of okay, the training has started now. I mean, for me, the training is always going on, but the training has started for them, and it and it and so I will not take on their problem. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that, and somehow I don't know if that's true, but somehow I have a sense that because women we have this connection to everything, then we we're connected to all these problems, and and that we want to solve all these problems as women or something. There's there's a part of I can imagine really whatever that woman might have a tendency to to want to solve everybody's problem as a mother as kind of this mother archetype or something yeah rescuer thank you
so this this ability to <clears throat> consciously responsibly decode an irresponsibly encoded message it's nothing less than magical any low drama can end with the receiver you can end the low drama by putting it on the table consciously like consciously completing completing it an even an unconsciously delivered message you know an irresponsibly created message you can consciously complete it and then it's um i mean for me what i what i think is the most difficult part is learning to endure the intensity of there being no problem being with other people without being the problem solver the problem maker the problem fixer the rescuer all that somebody just wrote from janet there is yeah janet there is no communal or collective problem there's no we problem and so the vaccine debate is each person's problem lots of completion loops needed for the conversation the yeah, there's this whole thing about we and responsibility and there's this whole thing about problems uh the way a prop there is there cannot be a problem unless there's a human being there saying there is a this is a problem because a problem is a point of view a problem is a a conversation and so and so framing up some a condition as a, as a problem there's a purpose behind it but we'll get to that we'll get to that stuff later on so Anything else right now about what we've been talking about, these completion loops and whose problem is it and all that? You've got lots of experiments to do this week. Yes, I have a question. I'm unsure about something. I was having this conversation with my ex-partner today. And so our usual, like, usually like our gremlin behaviors would be like she would get totally into victim and I would rescue her and then I would make her the persecutor and it was like this whole low drama going on and on and on. And so today she was sharing about just what was going on with her. And I actually, I did this like completion loop, just asking her, making sure, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. And then I asked her, okay, so, so what do you need with that? And I'm not sure if that's already it kind of feels like my gremlin is trying to rescue again. And I'm not sure. Cause I also, it was like there was this question like what do you need it was stuck in me and I was I was like I wasn't sure like do I put it out or not and then something told me yeah yeah do it and it, it was about connection but there's also like I totally resonated with what Anne Chloe was saying of this like as a woman this rescuer thing being like really really stuck and really deep rooted and I was like I'm not sure maybe I was just trying to rescue again just like more subtle than before Again, I think it's, Jules, you can really experiment with enduring the intensity of there is no problem. Mm. Because there seemed like a moment of there is no problem and you did not want to endure that. And you immediately said, so, you know, what's the next level of problem with this? And, you, and to find out how to relate with other people, how to be with each other when there is no problem. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm scared of, I'm actually scared of being, just being with her and there's no problem. I don't know how that is. I don't know who we are. Yeah, find that out. You can, yeah. the only way to find that out is to, is to enter that space and just keep breathing. Center, grounding cord, bubble, keep breathing. Breathe in that, keep, and then find out. And if the fear comes up, go, you know, I have this fear, I'm going to do an, an emotional healing process about this fear. And then, you know, if you already know you have this fear, you can even ask for that here. You can say, would there somebody be willing to uh, take me through an emotional healing process about this fear that comes up when there is no problem? Yes, I want to do that. Is Go there ahead. someone available to take me through this healing process of like me having a fear of there's no problem with my ex-partner? I see Kia. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's great. Great. I'll write you. Great. Super. Sure. Thank you. Cool. Anything from anybody else? I have um, a, a situation going on that just uh, it occurred to me that maybe it's a useful um, example of trying to determine whose problem something is. Um, so I live in a household that has uh, three women and a child in each has their own room. And one of the housemates has two cats. And we also live in an area near Greenbelt. And the house has uh, become infested with fleas. And so we each have our own room that we take care of. And my room, because I have gates up that I don't let the cats in, I'm the only room that doesn't have fleas right now. And so my room is taken care of from my perspective. And I'm able to you know, handle my responsibilities in the household. But then other people are fighting about who's responsible for the the one you know the the cats the did the fleas come in because of the cats and and uh, will we be able to rent when the when the kid goes uh, to visit his dad for a couple months will we be able to rent out the other room that he stays in to make up some income and who's impacted by this and is it the person whose room is responsible uh, whose room it is that has the problem is it the the problem of the person who was supposed to have an agreement to make sure that we didn't get fleas. If somebody among the group isn't able to, uh, if, if the room doesn't get filled and we collectively owe more rent than we have enough people to pay for, then who, now who has a problem? Like, so I'm finding this interesting to, uh, to try to, um, you know, think about like where where each problem, each person's problem line ends, and then it's also a perspective too um, of how we feel about the the situation. So I don't know if that's an, a useful example for trying to di to divide that up. Felt yeah, interesting perfect. to share. <clears throat> Thank you. And one of the the thing is we have these four feelings and most people have the numbness bar up really high. And so then we do not, we're not able to receive the intelligence and energy from, from the feelings because they're blocked off the low level feelings, anything below 80 or 90% intense. We don't even feel it yet. Those are the fears, for example, that would have allowed you to have this conversation with your housemates three months ago 
for example. If you let yourself feel your low-level fears and go, I'm afraid that this house is going to get infested with fleas and that's not okay with me, and put it on the table and use, instead of just kind of numbing yourself up, taping up your door, you know, and, and going out, then, then you've created, you were given the intelligence from your fear to help the whole household, but you did not put it on the table. So that's why in a group situation, we're, it's kind of like being in a spaceship where each person has their own set of instruments. And here's the astrogator and here's the navigator and here's the, the toilet cleaner instruments and like all those, everybody has their instruments. And if people don't pay attention to their low level feelings, they're not doing their role in navigating the spaceship. And we need everybody on board handling, you know, using their instruments. Does that mean you get what I'm saying? So your instruments are your body giving you anger, sadness, fear, and joy, low levels, and use them right away. This is this is Stephanie reporting in on the in I'm having seven percent fear that there it, there's fleas coming in. In three months from now, we might have a rental problem. Can can we let's handle this now? But and so you handled it for yourself. You know, you used it for yourself, but not really for the team. And so it's a different group. It's a group intelligence that we need for. For, for group situations. We well, the, to... Yes, the, so the, the housemate who has the child has been reporting on that fear for the last three months. And the one who has the cats has not acted on it. And I've sort of stayed out of it um, because I had my own protections uh, in place. But now so, you're in it. But now, now that it's coming yeah, up on me that uh, she See, says, well, I'm I saying. can't afford if we don't, you know, rent the rent. Yeah. So, yeah. What I'm saying is yeah. you did not keep yourself out of it. In a group right. situation, we cannot keep ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. So that's why, so yeah. So acting three months ago, using low level fear for the whole group. And so you said, you know, if you said, okay, well, this woman was putting your fear on three months ago, but nobody listened, okay. So there's your, there's your group dynamics going on. There's somebody who's not listening. Somebody, somebody who has a higher place in the hierarchy who's not listening. So you have a hidden hierarchy in your group. Put that on the table. Put your hidden hierarchy on the table. That, that's also out there that the, uh, the one with the uh, cats is on, officially on the lease. I'm actually not on the lease. So I'm, a, I'm a subleasing from them. And so, <laughs> so the ones on the lease then get to sort of argue amongst themselves and I end up, you know, being on the side. You should talk to Ava about that. Ava knows, has some secret information about working with those situations. <laughs> Are you, is that thing going okay, Ava? Just, just as a little side note, is that working out okay somehow? Not really. Mm. No, like it's intensifying. At least it's coming on the table because it's intensifying. Yeah. 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 From that perspective, it is getting better, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't put it on the table, then at some point it explodes and then, uh, you know, the officials have to come in and handle it their way. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a difficult situation, but you guys, I think, face straight into it. And I think that's great. Yeah. And, and I, what, what I noticed what's going on is that relationships are getting more, more, um, how do you say, ehrlich, like honest. honest. Yeah. yeah. 
like the pretending is just breaking down and that feels good. And it's, this is yeah. how it goes. Yeah. That's how to do it. That's how to do it. Burn the house down and you get authentic relationships instead of a fake house. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else from anybody right now? I'm going to read a little bit from page 163, moving right along. Section 6P as in Paul. It's called Four Kinds of Listening. I think since this book was written, we've invented a few other kinds of listening, but let's start with this for now. <clears throat> you know, we had all these classes in algebra and geometry and trigonometry and et cetera, et cetera. Lots of, lots of classes in school. And yet how many, how many times a day are we doing trigonometry? And, and then the question is, well, how many classes did we have in, in listening or in feeling or in how to different, different kinds of speaking? Like, what are you creating with your speaking? And most of us had none. And yet each day, most of the day, we're really involved in speaking, listening, feeling, these kinds of things, in relating in groups. And so it's also one of those things to face into, like Taro was talking about, was holy smokes, we, we could have learned about this stuff starting when we were seven years old. We've been very handicapped in, in, this, in an education system that leaves out such things as speaking, listening, feeling, inter-navigating, group dynamics, this kind of stuff. We've, we are handicapped. And to uh, modern culture tries to ignore this. And we just try to do the best we can copying whatever our parents did. And, and so we're left here where we are in a crippled condition of not, of not. So here we are, however old we are, considering there's four kinds of listening. What does that mean? You know, what I can't even, you know, I have ears, I can hear, I'm listening. That's, that's what we're taught. And in fact, there's so many uh, subtle art forms for listening that have, are, have very powerful effects when we do them on purpose. So that's why uh, it's oh, it's shocking to face into our ignorance and and if you and the necessity to feel pain to feel sad or outraged or scared about uh, all the people in school right now are not learning this stuff and so and if you get angry enough about it you'll do something about it leaving the skills of listening and speaking out of considerations about relationship would be like leaving the steak out of a steak dinner. This is obviously before I was a vegetarian. We are tempted to disregard the influence of our listening and speaking because we think that we already know how to do it. We already know how to speak and listen. We, so we assume there's nothing to, to do with. 
questioning our ability to listen and speak seems ridiculous because our mind says that if we are not deaf or dumb, then we obviously can already listen and speak. We assume that our hearing and speech are normal. That is the point. Our listening and speech are normal. And that was the whole first part of the book about is ordinary, normal, and what that creates. What we are interested in here is making changes that let our listening and speaking become extraordinary. That's where we're going. Concluding that we already know how fails to recognize the world we live in as a richly textured, subtle, multidimensional, flowing and vibrating environment with far more possibilities immediately available to us than our box, our psychology, will allow us to perceive. So you get that? Concluding that we already know blocks all this stuff that we could also perceive. Listening and speaking are fundamental modes for relating to and being creative in this world, this wild world. By improving our practical abilities of listening and speaking, we expand our senses into qualitatively new realms. To learn more about the subtleties of listening, read, uh, there's a book called The Conscious Ear by Alfred Tomatis. But we're reading this book now. We can do that one later. So the point is this thing about learning about things that we did not know that we did not know about is, is revolutionary. In this section, we will distinguish four kinds of listening. In the next section, we will distinguish, uh, I will probably go to at least six kinds of speaking. These few distinctions are enough to start you behaving in ways that open up whole new patterns of relationship. I think I think different times in my life I've been really extremely frustrated, angry and afraid about the limitations of the ordinary. And so, but the shocking thing for me was every time I learned something that I did not know, I did not know about, it opens up entirely new domains. And what I mean by a domain is like a doorway, like I'm in a space and there's a doorway and the doorway is there. But I first I did not even see there was a doorway there. When I finally see the doorway there, it does not mean I'm at the door. So in order to do anything with that doorway, I have to go over to be where the door is. And probably I've not, I've not been there before. Probably I would have noticed the door before if I was ever able to go to stand to be at the door. So to, how do you move to be over at the door? Well, it takes certain uh, steps inside, energetic steps, matrix building steps to go move yourself over to the door so you're close enough so you can grab the handle. So you grab the handle. The, what, the thing is, when if you, dis, if you get to the door and you can grab the handle, you can open the door. There's I'm, almost no door I've ever been to has ever been locked before, just to be clear about that. It's no, sometimes, I always thought the doors were locked but they're not locked. 
or if they are locked, the key's on the inside. So it's not about having locked doors to get through. It's about being, getting to the doors. And then, so the thing is, though, if you open that door, there is a whole new domain on the other side of the door. Well, this is scary as hell because nobody ever told us about this. You know, here's the thing. If I go through the door, if I don't go through the door, I might go somewhere else and never find this door again. So if doors stays shut, I go somewhere else, I don't go through the door, I may never find the door again. I might not have the opportunity ever to go through this door again. But if I do open the door and go through the door into this new domain, that door could close behind me and I might never be able to get back. And then I'm in this whole new domain where things work differently. And I'm a baby again. I'm a small fish in a big pond again. And before I was a big fish in a small pond on the other side of the door, there are, I don't know what kind of sharks and alligators and crocodiles and you know, you know big dragons, or I don't know what's over there. I don't know how it works. And what a cool place to be. It's a new domain. It is a new domain. So this is, this is what I mean by doors. So every new, every new distinction we get here is one of these doors that either your, your psychology will slam that door as soon as we get offline, or you will put a foot through the door. You will, you will hack the door open. You will stay there in the doorway and refuse to let the door shut, or you will go through the doorway and start breathing in higher, an atmosphere that has higher concentrations of oxygen in it or something. You know, it will be a different domain. You will have more energy than you had before. And so, and so that's why so I love this work because it's essentially about doorways. And if every doorway you refuse to go through, your choice. Every doorway you choose to go through, your choice. And there's consequences to every choice. There are real consequences to every choice. And so that, uh, I don't know, I love this whole, this whole thing about here, here we are making this tape together. We have these questions, discussions, we talk about stuff, and then we put this tape online. So five years from now, somebody might come along and find this tape. They'll go, God, look at this tape. They're talking about doorways. I'm, I'm going to go through one of these doorways. So this is a little, this is a catalyst of, of future doorways for people we don't even know to do these experiments we're talking about to try, for example, four different kinds of listening and learn and open up whole new doorways in their life and their relationship. And we're leaving an artifact together. We're building an artifact, putting it out there online in the world. Somebody will find it somewhere and go, this is so amazing. I, and, and so I appreciate uh, your collaboration in these spaces with me because if you guys were not here in this space, we would not be having the conversation. I just want to say that because it's, if, you know, we, I was talking with Anne Chloe. I go, okay, how's, how's this going to work? Let's say, let's say there's only 10 people on the call. 
if the only 10 people call. Well, there's some number where we will stop, we would just stop doing the study group. And then it's like probably around 10 or something, we would just go, okay, that's it for now. You know, that, and, um, and so it's you, it's you guys creating the necessity for the study group to exist, but I appreciate your collaboration here because we're making artifacts that are doorways for who knows who in who knows what country and who knows what, what year anywhere. And I, I just like that kind of work. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you for doing that. I'm looking at the time, so I'm going to not continue reading in this four kinds of listening section. It's page 163. We'll get back to it next week. Uh, I just, I would like to let you know that, I don't know, I did not discuss this with Anne Chloe yet, but we, up in, in uh, June, we have five weeks starting, five weeks in a row or so of ongoing uh, five-day training spaces and I don't know what's going to happen on Monday night, so we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to talk about it because it's the intense training spaces in Portugal that we'll be delivering. Expand the box training possibility lab, uh, intimacy journeyer lab, and practice lab, and all that stuff. So, um, does anybody like to say anything before we cut out for tonight? We got about one minute. A lot of things that were said today by different people were exactly what I needed. And I did not know that I needed it. And so thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. I want to ask for loving support and energy because I feel scared because the expand the box, the first one in Mexico is happening this weekend and I'm really scared and it's really full. Like it's very, very full for like 24 people and coming and <laughs> I don't know where we're going to sleep. <laughs> can, so, can I give you a hint about that? go so my experience is like you have to understand i mean like what i have to do is understand that the gaia wants the evolution of consciousness and if you get it that you don't have to do it all yourself that there are these gaia level forces and archetypal forces of nature that are you are in alignment with and let those come through you let them feed your charge up your deep batteries let them come through you and, and actually do, let them do the work. You can hold the space, let them do the work. And then you don't have to use up your energy. And Chloe? Thank you. Yeah, and I wanna say that I have been to or seen other workshops and it's like, let's have the space perfect for the people, like the perfect food and the perfect accommodation. And so they can feel peaceful. And, and this is not what Expand the Box is about. And so to throw them in the participants saying, look, we're having this like next culture initiation space and we have all these people because it turns you on. How do we, how do we figure this out? And, 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 and so in this is like, share the, you give them the responsibility also to figure it out for themselves as a village and as a team and a community. And then people, people love this instead of making it, you know, your problem that you have to solve perfectly. And then it's horrible for the participant and it's just a, yeah. 
Thank you. That's helpful. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for doing that, Michelle. It's really land, land shaking to create the first expand the box training in Mexico. This is fantastic. So yes, thank so, you. Yeah, we might be seeing you soon. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Bye, everybody. Have a great experimental week. See you next time. Bye-bye. Yes. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Merci. Bye-bye.